Okay, church, let's take our Bibles this morning. Turn to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If you're visiting with us for the first time or maybe not that familiar with the Bible, there's a Bible right in front of you in the pew. And there is, uh, just like every other book, a table of contents at the front. You can find where that is if you'll let your Bible kind of fall open toward the right-hand side of your Bible and keep turning. You'll find 1 Corinthians and then 2 Corinthians the large numbers of the chapters, chapter 8, and the small number of the verses. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, verse 1 through 6 today. And so the Bible reads, and let me read for us out loud, and you follow along silently. The Bible says, Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. And this, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had previously made a beginning, so he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. And just because I love this verse, verse number 9 is a great verse too. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for our sake He became poor, so that you through His poverty might become rich. I want us to uh, pray together, but before I do, I want to remind all of you today, this is the last Sunday in the month of February, and so directly following the service today, when we dismiss, when I ask all of our people just to kind of dismiss and fellowship out in the foyer, and if you're here today and struggling with uh, some sort of sin or pain or sickness or heartache or something's just heavy on your life, uh, some of our deacons and leaders and uh, prayer coordinator will be down front, and uh, we would delight to pray with you one-on-one about whatever it is that's really hurting you in your heart. And so we want to just make ourselves uh, available to you. This is not a healing service. We don't do anything crazy or out of the ordinary. We can't perform any miracles but we certainly can hold you up before the Lord and pray for you. And so if you find yourself in this room today, so I'm not even exactly sure why I'm here today, but I know that I need some help. We want to make that available to you. And uh, if uh, nobody shows up, then all of the leaders will just uh, kneel down and pray here at the front for the health of our church and the spread of the gospel in our community. Would you join me for a word of prayer as we look into the Scripture today? Our Father, we do come to You now and thank You for this uh, beautiful day that's before us, the opportunity to have been in a Sunday school class, a Bible study, to study the Word, to meet friends and neighbors and fellowship together, to sing, to pray, to give, Lord, um, and to listen to Your Word. And I pray now that You would help us uh, for Your great glory, for the good of Your people, for the spread of the Gospel. Lord, I pray now that You would help me to remember and to be clear and to communicate Uh, to the best of my ability, and beyond that, by the help of the Spirit, what your Bible would teach concerning this subject. For it is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. For those of you that have been with us for some time, you'll know that at the beginning of the year we have uh, started a study on the church, and so we've spoken about several Sundays on the nature of the church, that we are the body of Christ, 
the bride of Christ. We are the members of Christ. We All of these things. And then we spend two Sundays speaking about the sacraments of the Lord's church, that of the Lord's Supper. And we were able to take the Lord's Supper together. It was a great Sunday. And then last Sunday we uh, discussed and preached through um, the uh, ordinance or the sacrament of baptism. And we were able to baptize a young lady last Sunday. We baptized a young lady this Sunday. Ah. And we'll be baptizing a young man next Sunday. And uh, so don't worry about it. Just keep the baptisms coming because uh, personnel has informed me I get paid time and a half every time I get to baptize. So <laughs> praise the Lord for that. And uh, everybody on personnel's eyes just got that big. So, But uh, today we want, to, uh, we want to talk about a little bit transition into what do true believers look like within the life of the body of Christ as a true believing church member. Well, I want to make no bones about it today. I want you to understand that true believers give, and true believers give generously. And if you're here today visiting with us, I want you to understand, you know, some people will say, oh my goodness, the churches and the preachers, they're always talking about giving. Well, that's a misnomer. That's really not the truth at all. The only people that do that kind of garbage are most of the uh, idiots that you would see on television that are trying to milk good godly people out of money for stuff that they can't perform. And we want to say that God has a special place in hell for all of those heretics, all right? And so uh, that's not the way it is. Uh, in a good church, most good pastors that I know, they struggle to even broach the subject of giving within the local church uh, because of those very reasons. And so, I want you to understand, we don't do that all the time here. In fact, what we want to do is we want to be faithful to the Scriptures. And uh, it just so happens that Jesus Christ Himself spoke quite a bit about the subject of giving both of His life and of His treasure uh, to the kingdom work of His own life. Uh, the Apostle Paul spoke in nearly all of his epistles about the blessing and the goodness and the righteousness of giving within the life of the local church. And so today, we want to be faithful to God and we want to say that every true believing Christian that is a part of a local body of believers, if they're going to be faithful to Christ, if they're going to be faithful to God's kingdom, then they must be faithful to Give And so let me just make a few points from, uh, from the text today for us. Just a, really two points today, and I'll try and make them as brief as possible. The first point is this. Christian giving is a grace. Christian giving is a grace. And you can follow along there if you want on the screen or in the text if you would. And first of all, I'd say this. Uh, Christian giving is a grace that is given to us by God Himself. Look back there if you would in verse number 1. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. And, and Christian giving, uh, giving in the life of the believer is something that is given to us from God Himself. This comes from the very God who gave Himself and by creating the world, by creating human beings, and ultimately by redeeming us from our sinful position by giving His Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal or everlasting life. 
In verse number 9 of this very passage, we find that Jesus, who was rich, became impoverished or poor for our sakes, that through His poverty, we might become rich. And so we want to understand, first of all this morning, that Christian giving is a grace that is given to us by God Himself. And so you have been bestowed upon, you have been lavished upon the very power and the goodness of being able to give back to God Himself. Amen? It is a great privilege for you to give. It is not just a duty. It is not something that you just have to do. It is not a mere part of the service. It is not just something that we do each week. But it is your loving duty and grace-filled responsibility to give back to God because God gives the grace of giving to us. But not only that, giving is a grace not bound by our circumstances. Look, if you would, at verse number 2 that in a great ordeal of affliction, that is, this, these churches, these small cell group churches in Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. Do you notice the great contrast in that verse alone that it says here, in their deep or heavy affliction and persecution and downtroddenness in all of their pain and their suffering and their circumstances, in their great ordeal of affliction, they have an abundance of joy. And brothers and sisters, I want to say to us that regardless of your circumstances, regardless of where you are, regardless of what is going on in your life, you may be going through the greatest valley of your life, but our Christian grace of giving is not bound by our circumstances. And in fact, the grace of giving conquers our circumstances so that even when we are in poverty, even when we are in infliction, even when we are hurting deeply, the answer to that is to give back to God. I once knew a pastor, I heard of a pastor in South Carolina, Greenville, South Carolina, and they said that uh, when his church, he said that when his church was falling upon hard times and revival needed to take place and people were growing complacent, they would add to the mission's budget when they had not. Because in the depth of our affliction, the answer out of that is the abundance of joy of giving in the grace of God, not bound by our circumstances. Look at the other contrast. Not only in affliction did they have an abundance of joy, but in their deep poverty, it overflowed into the wealth, into the wealth of their liberality or the giving. You see, these churches at Macedonia had very little to offer. But what they wanted to do is they wanted to give regardless of the circumstances they were in. I do not have the time this morning to make an apologetic for every avenue of giving. I certainly understand that there are people and times in our lives where we are without work or we have been laid off or we are looking or there is no money in the bottom of the barrel. I want to say to you in those moments of life, you need to feed yourself and feed your family and take care of the things you do. But I would say, by and large, that is not the problem that this church nor any other church in Raleigh nor in most churches in North America face. The great problem we have is that we have uh, we don't have this poverty and we don't have this affliction, but we have this uh, affluency and we have this apathy. And instead of giving to the glory of God by the grace of God that has been given to us, we hold on and bottleneck all that we have instead of experiencing the abundance of God's grace and goodness in our lives. 
And so I want to say to you today, you need to experience the grace of giving that goes beyond the bounds of your circumstances today. Number three, I would say this, giving is a supernatural grace given to us by God. Look back down at the text. Verse number three, for I testify that according to their ability, and what does your Bible say? And beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. Most believers go through their life and the only prayers they get answered are those prayers, the only prayers they pray are the prayers that they think that God can answer. And the only thing they give is what they think they can handle. And the only time they share the gospel is when they feel the most comfortable. But what I want you to understand is God wants to pour His grace into your life so that you live the kind of life that goes and gives the gospel, that gives to the work of the kingdom of God, and that you watch God provide in your own life because you've given not just to your ability, but beyond your ability in a supernatural way and experience the giving of God back to your own life. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, in this same passage, 8 and 9, he says, listen, those who sow sparingly shall reap sparingly, but those who sow in abundance shall reap the benefits and the abundance of God into your own life. And I want to say to you, don't live a nominal Christian life. Live the kind of Christian life that places yourself on the edge of Christianity and says, God, I need you to come through. I'm going to give, I'm going to go, I'm going to live, I'm going to give my whole life to Jesus and we're going to watch and see what God does. Do you know the reason why you don't pray? Because you don't see God answer prayers. And the reason why you don't see God answer prayers is because you never place yourself in a position where you need God to do something. I just want to encourage you today to place yourself in a position where you need to see the supernatural power of God come through on your side. Giving is not only a supernatural grace, but giving is a grace that involves obedience. Look at verse number 6. I love what Paul says here. He says, So we urged Titus that as he had previously made a beginning, so he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. Do you see what Paul has done in these six verses? He begins by telling the Corinthian church, he says, look, the churches in Macedonia, they don't have anything, they're afflicted, they're in poverty, but somehow they have a heart to give to the glory of God and to the work of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And God is doing supernatural things in those churches. And now he says to this Corinthian church, I want you to work that out in your own life so that you see the work of God in what you're doing. Some people have said to me before in the past, well, I just don't have the, I don't have the gift of giving. Well, guess what? Yes, giving is a grace from God, but it is the kind of grace that involves obedience. Look at verse number 6 again. He tells Titus, I want you to go back to Corinth and I want you to teach these people and complete this gracious work in them so that they learn how to be like the churches in Macedonia where they are giving and loving and they have a longing to help out with the saints and the work of God and spread the Gospel that they're giving to the work of the Lord freely and rejoicingly. I want to encourage you today 
Don't walk out of this room today saying, I am a true believer unless you're a true believer that's willing to give graciously to the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot be right with God as a believer and not be giving. He says, Steve, hey listen, we've had people in this church before that have come to me and said, Steve, I don't have two nickels to rub together, but I'm willing to give of my time and my effort. I'll write cards. I'll do this. I'll do whatever I want to give. Those people are in the right will of God for their life. But there are many people sitting in these pews today that can give not only of your time, uh, not only of your talents, but also of your treasure to the work of the spread of the Gospel near and far. And if you don't do that on a regular basis, you're not right with God. True believers give generously to the work of God. Not so says Steve. Not so says somebody that uh, is a charlatan or trying to finagle something in your life. So says the Word of the living God. Be faithful, be faithful to the grace of giving. Here's the second point today. Giving is not only grace. Giving is a service. Giving is a service. Let me just give you a few points here back from the text. Giving is a service that begins by giving to God. Look back if you would at verse number 5. And hopefully I keep telling you to look down so that you're finding these truths in the Bible, not straight from me, but straight from God. Look back at what it says in verse number 5. And this, well, I better begin in verse 4. They're begging us with much urging and favor so they would have the favor. The word favor there is the same word for grace. The charis or the favor of participation in the support of the saints. And this wasn't exactly what we were expecting, but look what it says. But they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Giving is a service that begins by giving yourself to God. And I want to encourage every person in the room this morning that says, yes, I'm a believer. Yes, I've put my faith in Jesus Christ. Then give yourself over to Jesus. Live your life every day this week abandoned to everything else but following Him. Yes, you have to go to work. And you're going to be the best worker that you can be at your job. But you are on task and on mission in your everyday job with Jesus. Give yourself over to Christ in your work. Give yourself over to Christ in your family. Give yourself over to Christ in your recreation. Give yourself over to Christ in your church life. Give yourself over to Jesus right this moment. Stop living for yourself. Stop putting yourself on the throne of your life and start putting Christ on the throne of your life. Give yourself over to Him. What if Jesus was calling a 44-year-old man in our church to the mission field? Would you go? What if Christ was calling an eight-year-old to share the Gospel with somebody at your school this week? Are you willing to give yourself to the Lord? Giving is a service that begins by giving to the Lord. Giving is a service to the mission of God. To the mission of God. Hey, you want to know something cool about this passage? Verse number 1, he's talking about these, the, church and the churches in Macedonia. He's writing to the church at Corinth. And part of the support is being uh, referred to here is back in Romans chapter number 16 to the church that's in Jerusalem. Do you get what the Apostle Paul here is saying? He's saying that the work of God and the mission of God involves every nation and every ethnicity and every person in all the world, every tribe and every tongue and every nation, every person gets the Gospel. 
And what God wants us to do is to be the kind of people that give so that the Gospel both near and far goes to every nation and every race and every person and every sex that everybody hears the Gospel. When you give, that's the kind of heart that you're demonstrating that you have a heart for the mission of God. Is that your heart today? Do you have a heart to give so that men and women and boys and girls near and far can hear about Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to pull that in your life. And then notice here, giving is a service that flows from a heart of love. Look back, if you would, at verse number 3 and 4. Watch the intensity of these verbs as they grow. Uh, Verse number 3, For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave... Now how did they watch these... uh, I said verbs, adjectives. Watch how they gave here. They gave of their own accord, right? From their own heart. Without being slammed over, they gave on their own accord. But now watch. Begging us. And now it even more intensifies with much urging for the grace or the favor of our participation in the support of the saints. They went from giving of their own accord to begging the leadership to give to urging and beating down the doors of leadership saying, we want to give, we want to go, we want to support the work and the mission of God in all of the churches regardless of their ethnicity, regardless of where they are. We want to give so that God's Gospel can get to everybody in the world. True Believers give as an act of service and it comes from a heart that loves. Hey, I'm going to ask you this. When's the last time you begged the elders of this church for more opportunities to give? Now listen, don't, don't laugh at me. I just want you to read that in the text. All right, we're just family today. Give me a couple minutes here. Isn't that what it says? They begged them. Not only did they beg them, they urged them. The, the word here, like, like, like shaking them. Please pass the plates one more time. Why? What makes a person do that? I'll tell you what makes a person do that. That they are convinced in their heart that there is one supreme God in all the world that gave His Son to die for unbelieving people who without faith in Christ will die in their sins and go to the devil's hell and they are dying by the thousands. And the only way to reach them is to get the Gospel to them. And the only way for that to do is for God's people to give so that the Gospel may go forth. I just want to say to us today, do you have a heart of that kind of love? I don't want to beat you over the head. I want you to be driven from a heart of love for lost people to give so that the Gospel both near and far can go to them. So Steve, when, you, when we give to Emmanuel, what, what are we giving to? Well, listen... You know, you know what our, you know what our theme, what our vision is at this church? That we proclaim the gospel and we reflect the kingdom. And for all of you that don't know a bunch of Christianese, you're here and you say, what in the world does that mean? Simply means that we have a message of the good news of Jesus Christ. That in verse number nine, that Christ for our sake became poor. He died on the cross. He bore our sins. And on the third day, he rose again. That for our sake, he became poor so that through his poverty on the cross, we might transfer all of our sins to Jesus and all of His righteousness be transferred to us and we could have eternal life through the risen Savior Jesus Christ. That's the good news. We are to carry the good news to the uttermost parts of the world. That's what it means to proclaim the Gospel. 
And what does it mean to reflect the kingdom? That we are learning daily how to live our lives as Jesus would live our lives if He were us. That we are being disciples of Christ Jesus in our behavior and in our actions and with our families and with our co-workers that we are learning to live like Jesus. You say, Steve, how do you carry that out? What does it mean when I give to Emmanuel Baptist Church? When I give to that general, but what's going on? What does it mean when you give? Well, listen, what about evangelism? How, how do we do that? We do that near and far both ways. For instance, evangelistically or in our missions way around the world globally, internationally and nationally, here's what we do. We're about to go to Nepal in March. In May, we're going to go to Slovenia. In August, we're going to Boston. And in November, we're going to El Salvador. And brothers and sisters, we only got a few here, and that's the best I know how to do. And I'm about to pull my hair out to tell you to do four trips, all right? But that's the best I know. We're going to work with church planners and give the gospel. We're doing the, that's the best I know how to help our church do to get overseas and to get international and national missions. Our, our church right here, we're trying to take the gospel to all the world. And by the way, let me pause for a moment and say, when you give, right, and you give toward the missions budget of this church, I want you to understand that every person that goes on a missions trip in this church, they pay for it themselves. You don't. They pay out of their pocket to go on the trip. You say, well, what happens when I pay, when I, when I give toward the missions offering? All you're doing when you give toward the missions offering is all of that goes into one big fund and it lowers the cost per person for us to be able to take them. But you're, every human being, I don't care whether they're nine or ninety, if you go, you pay for yourself to go on the field. Just ask some of these people that have actually paid. Alright? No free rides for any human being here. They pay of their time and their talent and their treasure and they go. When you give to the missions budget here, you're giving to lower that cost and increase what we can do around the world, giving Bibles and giving material and doing all that we do internationally and nationally. You say, some people have said to me before, you know what, Pastor, I'm telling you, well, we, got a lot, we got enough lost people in Raleigh. We ought, to, we ought to worry about what's here before we worry about what's there. Listen, I, I love you. And if you can find that in the Bible, please come show me. I'd be glad to abandon what we're doing and do a better plan. But the Bible clearly doesn't teach that. The Bible says, Jesus Himself said in Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 8 that it's supposed to be in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth all at the same time. And I'm trying to give the best strategy. I know how to do that. We're trying to go overseas and do it here. I want to pause for a moment. I just want to say this. In the weeks to come, we're going to talk a little bit about true believers are evangelists, but we're trying the best we can to minister the gospel in our local area as well. That's why March 11th, the basketball tournament down here in Kiwanis, it's important. Hey, brothers and sisters, there's some cards out there. Hey, this church has gone about just as far as it's going to go being built by staff. If you want this church to grow by believers and people get saved and they have a thriving ministry, you've got to do it all. And in fact, that's not unbiblical. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that He gave pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. I fear sometimes I'm just ministering to the saints instead of equipping you for the work of the ministry. If you want people to get saved, you've got to go save them. Right? Now, somebody's going to come up afterward and you know, Jesus saves, I don't save. Right? You know what I mean. Right? We're trying to do the best we can. I want you to understand something that within three miles of this church, there are twelve to 15,000 people, many of which are families with young children. You've, you've got to go tell them about Jesus. 
within two zip codes, 608 and 609, there are 45,000 people living right now, most of which are dying and on their way to a devil's hell. If we just reached 1% of 45,000 people, just if we moved the needle 1%, We'd have to have two services and look to, look to start a church plant somewhere. Or knock down something and build parking lots. I can't build it. Brian can't do it. Jamie can't do it. Your heart has to have this kind of passion where you're begging and frothing at the mouth and urging the leadership of the church to say, I want to give everything that I have for the glory of God, for the saving of souls, and I'm going to leave here and I'm going to be fueled inside to tell people about Jesus. And for our part, say, Steve, what, what, what are you going to do? How are you going to help? Let me, let me just show you where, where we're going, what we're going to try and work on. A little, uh, little work together, okay? So everybody work with me. Help me preach for a moment, okay? If you're in the room today, now look, don't be embarrassed. If you're in the room today and you say, you know what, Steve? I think that I know, I'm not perfect, but I think I know enough of the Gospel to be able to lead somebody to Jesus. I think that, I think that if I, I, I'm not perfect, but I could lead somebody that Jesus died for us, that He rose again, and that if we turn from our sin and put our faith in Jesus, that, that they, I could lead them to put their faith in Christ. If you think that you could do that, would you just raise your hand just for a moment? Okay, great. You can put them down. Now listen, I want you to hear me clearly. Everybody that put your, put your hand up, uh, what I'm going to say in a minute will apply to you as well too because we want to do some continued training. But if you put your hand up and, and you know how to lead somebody to Jesus, the best thing you can do is leave here today with a desire to give to the glory of God financially. And you can leave here today burning in your soul saying there are people at my school, there are people at my work, there are people in my family, there are people in my neighborhood, who there are people around this church that are dying and going to hell I gotta figure out a way to tell somebody. I gotta figure something out in my life to tell somebody. I saw a statistic the other day that said 97% of all Christians will die at the end of their days having not shared the gospel with somebody. I just want to encourage you. Maybe I know, I know our church, you're stubborn people. For the glory of Jesus, but you're stubborn people. Why don't you leave here today and if for no other reason, just say, I'm not going to be one of those 97%. Don't count me in that. I'm going, to tell, I'm going to share Jesus with somebody this week just so I can get out of that number. Hopefully your heart will get right somewhere down the road. Go, go share Jesus. For those of you in here that don't know, we own some of that. And what we're, what we're supposed to do is to equip the saints. And so uh, coming soon, we're going to probably do maybe twice a year where we, um, uh, where we uh, have offer an opportunity for people to learn how to share their faith and become more comfortable and grow in that. For those of you that know how to do that, we want to invite you to be a part of that. That'll be coming pretty soon. And we want to invite you to be a part of that so that you can learn and grow more comfortable in that. But I'm telling you, hey, listen, folks, we don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. If you want this church to live and grow and thrive, you have to go do it. I ride around our neighborhood sometime and I'm both thrilled and fearful. You know why? Because Raleigh is growing up around us quicker than we can think. 
And yet I see churches all around this downtown area that have beautiful buildings, but if you go in there on a Sunday morning, there's 15 to 20 people that are twiddling their thumbs and hoping somebody will die and leave a dowry and the building will keep going. We don't have a choice. True believers give. We give financially so that the gospel can go. And we give of our own lives to share the gospel of Jesus with those that we know. Would you bow your heads just for a moment? In just a moment, I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward. We'll take our offering today. Why don't you just pray for a moment there? You say, Steve, do you know, do you know why you put the offering at the end of the service? Yeah, because right now is an opportunity for you to apply what you've learned. Don't leave here today saying that was a good sermon. Leave here today having given to Jesus. Our ushers are coming forward now. I'm going to pray for us. Have a time of offering. And as we take the offering today, maybe just take a few moments just to pray and say, Lord, I, I want to burn on the inside. Hey, people, I've been convicted this week too. My own heart, Steve, I, I want to share the Gospel more. I want to share the Gospel with people. I want to encourage you to leave this week with that in your heart and that in your life. Let me pray over the offering for us. Our Father, we love You. Thank You for Your mercy and kindness. We pray in the name of Jesus that You would bless this offering, Lord, and far beyond that, that You would open up the hearts of people and that You would help us to realize that we have no other choice but to come to You and to trust You and to go to tell people about the good news. Bless us now, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.